Welcome to Demystifying Innovation, a podcast from the Office of Research and Innovation at Humber College. I'm Nathan Whitlock, a professor and program coordinator in Humber's Faculty of Media and Creative Arts. In this podcast, we talk to academic leaders about the setbacks, challenges, obstacles, and outright mistakes they've faced in their careers, and the important lessons they've drawn from those moments. My guest for this episode is Farzad Raigani, Senior Dean of the Faculty of Applied Sciences and Technology. Thank you for doing this. Um, all of the faculties at Humber require a certain amount of innovation and forward thinking. There's, there's no way to get around it. But I think your faculty in particular, your area in particular, with you can't simply just keep things going as they are. You have to be constantly looking ahead, constantly um, matching where we're going to be in 5, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. I'm wondering how you how you do that, like literally how you keep that culture uh, alive in your faculty, with your professors, with your associate deans, in, and with your students. How do you instill that in your, in your team, that idea of, of innovation? First of all, thank you so much for having me. To be honest, I always consider myself and my team, we are a professional engineer first and after that administrator, I always tell my students and my my colleagues that we are professional engineer, professional designer, and we look at everything from the perspective of the engineers. Since we are engineers, so engineering is under the, we consider the category of applied science. It means that if I wanted to break it down, it means that we have a basic law or we call it a um, natural law and we have some objective in mind or result. So as an example, I can say that we wanted to send a man to the moon or to Mars. What we have is some basic science and natural science like a law of the gravity. gravity. So now from our, our nat- nature of the, our engineering work is that the only t- element that remain is the experience. So we mm. experiment to get to our result or objective using the natural law. So now, as you see, and through the history that you see that each of these objective or result had a hundred of the way of the doing eventually until we get satisfied. Mm-hmm. Now, if we consider that each of this way of doing is a failure until we get the final and we are satisfied, or we have to say that each one has a stage element that we learn from and we go to the next level and eventually go to next level. And finally we say that, okay, it's good enough. For engineers, we, we have a saying that it's good enough. And why it is that? Because we are not looking for ultimate the perfection because perfection means that I have to go to 0.000001 um, from precision, which economically costs you. 
Mm-hmm. And everything else is cost you. So we wanted to say that, yes, we got the result. It's good enough. A stop here experiment. This is the result that with this experiment, this is the machine, this is the station, this is the product or process is good enough for what you wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what you saw in the history that, for example, a few months ago in the Texas, that the whole electricity line was collapsed. Right. It's not that we don't have a technology to make it perfect to go minus 30 and minus plus 30 or minus 50 and plus 50. It costs you. Do you want it to pay? So from engineering perspective, you say that we design it for the debt risk. So is it failure? Not a failure. Only we learn and we say that, okay, oh, the climate change and the changing environment, we have to learn from that and go to the next level of the design. Each mm. experiment is a failure for the next experiment, which is better than the previous one. This is why you see that the, so many of the rocket will collapse until we say that, no, it's safe enough that we put the man on the rocket to send it. And yesterday or, uh, was the example of the, of the newest uh, man to the, to the moon, to the, mm-hmm. to the space, right. was that there was another hundred failure that you didn't hear about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, is it yeah, a yeah. failure? Did they, they, they didn't learn anything from that? No, they learned a lot of things. They collect the data because every system as an engineer, we have a feedback mechanism. And we know that we fail, but we don't feel it that is all as a failure. We don't stop and say, oh, the first rocket didn't go more than 100 kilometers up or 100 meters up and collapse. And, and so, so we learn from the feedback mechanism. So this is why, as an example, I say that as an engineer that we are thinking, and this is reflection of the, the faculty of applied sciences and technology, and say that we are learning through our process and progress, and we learn again, and we learn again. And, and the only thing is that we don't consider it as a failure, but we are saying that it's a one step toward the final result. It's It's interesting, too, because I can imagine that being um difficult sometimes to instill perhaps or maybe it's not but you can tell me but what is that difficult to instill that way of thinking into students who may be coming in and thinking oh no i failed or this thing that i did collapsed so i must be a failure this whole idea was wrong whereas it's just you're on your way to a success you're on your it's an experiment that will lead you on so is that you your question is an excellent question so so when we talk about experimental learning and hands-on learning and project-based learning and i compare to the 30 40 years ago when which was a science-based learning and the theory and uh, and this is what you have to learn and there is no other choice what we add from the evaluation and assessment we don't look at the result and final result, the only element of evaluation and assessment. We look at the process and journey that the students take to reach that. So if I consider 100% mark or 100% grade, actually 80% of the grade is the process. Did you fail? And if you fail, what you learn from that, if you document it, we are giving you the reward for that because this is the engineering way of the doing. We don't say that, oh, your machine is not working, you fail 100%. That 
that is that is absolutely from engineering perspective wrong and from educational perspective wrong. It means that I spent one year and didn't learn anything. And that is not true at all in our engineering profession. Every, every bridge which collapsed, we learned something because we were not expecting that, the, for example, climate change. So now we learn. Of course, some of this learning is a costly learning. It costs life and costs, but we learn from that and we try to fix it. Um, and this is why we have to um, embed this kind of the thinking to our students uh, approach and also make them think creativity and not be afraid of the making a failure. It actually goes so far as to say is if you are putting together a project, you're trying to get something to work, you're trying to come out with a result and it works the first time, it's, you might feel great that, wow, I had a success, but you are, you've just eliminated all of that learning. And if, <laughs> if, if it doesn't work the second time, you're stuck because you have no idea what all but, the obstacles could have been. Absolutely. So if something is working the first time perfectly, or you are so lucky, or you do, didn't consider all the constraint and, and the limitation. So mm -hmm. maybe your factor of the success was so limited. For example, you said that your robot is moving from the A to B, that's it. And of course, it's moving from A to B and say, here, look, my program is perfect. But did you consider the safety factor of that? Did you consider the speed of the robot? Did you consider the economic consideration? So probably your, your, your objective, goal, objective and, and the limitation was so narrow that in reality doesn't work. Um, um, so uh, we say that iteration of the design, design iteration is the key. Of course, this is time consuming. So when I say that in a classroom, maybe you can do two design and maximum and say, okay, did you learn from first design? The second design stop because you have 14 weeks of the submission of your project. But in real life, depending on your situation, um, so we have a lot of iteration and the new technology, for example, like additive tele technology uh, manufacturing, so 3D printing, allow us to do more iteration of the design because now I will design it, I build it, and I, I make it oper um, um, to see that if it is working or not, and I, I go back to design and again make it another one and so on. Each of these stages is compared to the final stage is a failure, but we don't consider it as a failure, we consider it that is a step toward the success. Every, uh, every failure is, is a success in the making, or it's a, you're, it's a step towards success. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult, but it's a mindset that you are always winning. Winning, if it is working, is a winning. If you don't work, you learn from that, and learning is winning. So, so, yeah. so always you are, you are, if you progress, now the key is the progress. The key is moving forward. If you are always moving forward and progressing your research, and progress in your design, you are a winner. You are yeah. not a loser, you are not a failure. But there is a situation of frustration. So, okay, I give up. That is the, considered as a failure. Oh, I work I, 10 times, I try, it doesn't work. I am a stopping. A stopping in nature, there is no some, something like I, I stop. Even if water stops, you know that a smell after a few hours, few, yeah. few days. <laughs> True. So, so, so 
this is not a, what we call it failure, but if you move forward and continue, and this is a key, I think that for our students to, to be patient uh, and, and to continue. And sometimes, you know, um, with the new, all, everything is fast and fast pace. We, are, we have no patience of the, uh, making a perfect design. And we said, okay, it doesn't work. I, probably I don't know, or I, I, I cannot do it. You say that this this idea that the process is more important than the than necessarily the end result within your within your faculty, but I think even within my faculty that I work in, which is the faculty of media and creative arts, we don't really think we're going to make a student into a brilliant photographer or journalist or writer or marketer in in the time we have in class but we can start them on that pro start showing them how to how to learn how to create that process how to get within that process and build upon you know what they know and build skills so it's 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 the same yeah. thing even though it's not advanced technology it's not engineering it's the same yeah. idea you look uh, look at the process uh, absolutely and and that can also apply to our everyday life that mm -hmm. is that apply so how many times you are frustrated with something is relationship doesn't work, right? And communication doesn't work. Okay, if we learn from that and, and, and try to, to improve that, that is a win, winning. But if you stop and say, okay, this, that is, that is a diff, and, and I consider is that this is something that we have to teach our students. Absolutely. Um, and in the, in the spirit of that, in, in the spirit of, of teaching not only students, but other academic leaders to sort of embrace the idea of failure, to embrace those, those setbacks, I'm wondering, is there, a, is there a project or initiative or something that you tried in the past that just didn't work? And that, you know, some, you had a major setback that you had to learn from. Is there a particular uh, incident that you can think of? Oh, oh. So, so many. So yeah. again, again, as a professional engineer, so we have uh, so many projects that I can say that uh, we failed first time, but we learned so many things from, from, the, I, I, from that experiment, experiment that it's helped us to pursue uh, um, different way of the doing eventually to get to, to what we wanted to do. So example, um, every, everybody is talking about artificial intelligence and these things nowadays. I remember that I was a young um, engineer and, and at that time we called it a neural network. So there was a neural network and mm -hmm. night, I am talking about 1995, probably 1993. I, I, uh, and we didn't call it artificial intelligence, but neural network, there was a, and that we had to teach this neural network that give us the result. And I remember that I had a great idea of the um, combining the, at that time, a steel factory, the uh, a steel industry was very huge in, in the part of Europe that I was. And I said, okay, if I go and collect all this steel um, and sample, uh, and in a steel in a sample that you collect, there is two, three properties that you have to take it in consideration. If you see that the steel is a 
is according to the design specification. One is the, say, physical property, the mechanical properties, the hardness, and so on and so on. One is the chemical properties. So we collect the sample from the from meal and go to the mechanical property. There is three element hardness and that it can be done at uh, within one hour and we get a result. So there is a three numbers that we get usually. But the chemical properties of this steel, we had to send it to a special lab and it came one, one month from that, that it gave the percentage of carbon and the other percent of the chemical element within the steel. And this too is important to know it because now you use this steel for whatever, construction, whatever. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, what a great idea. If I can teach neural network, if I give them a mechanical property, they give me the chemical property, I save million of the dollars, a billion <laughs> of dollars for the industry. So, so I was, and it was new, absolutely new system. So I was, trying to find the, find the application for that, that it make it happen. So I went, I first I learned the system and after that went knocking the door of this all industry and, and steel industry in the Europe. And I collect the sample and I, I collect the physical properties and mechanical properties of this, but I couldn't never, never could it get it, the chemical properties back to me from neural network with the percentage of error that was acceptable. The percentage of error was what? 5%, 2%, I don't remember. I always get 10%, 15%. It means that the carbon percent was say seven. Sometimes they give, the neural network give me five, sometimes get the 10. So it wasn't reliable. Right, right. So, so it was a frustration, but, and never I could, I could this system or uh, give it back to the to this in steel industry and say, look, I find something a system that is reliable and you can use it and save you billion of dollars. So it was considered as a failure, but that one year of the excitement of the project, I learned so many things about the neural network that are not the artificial intelligence and how to teach. So I was professional on that. That application didn't work at all because you, I couldn't get the um, chemical properties from mechanical properties. But by learning that neural network, I could apply my knowledge and skill to other applications that give us the perfect result within the, within the percentage of error. Right. So the whole point is that I learned the system and I failed on that application, but that learning of the neural network system helped me in future. So in our today's research, there are so many skills, transferable skills that maybe in this application, we failed, for example, to build a system, but you learn so many things that you can apply it in the future in the other application. And this is why I consider the apply research and and innovation a key for students and faculty to stay a state of art up to date and, and use this knowledge, apply the knowledge in the real world situation. It really comes down to the idea that essentially failure doesn't exist. 
or or if it exists, it only exists when you quit, when you just a dead stop is a fed failure. The key is that I didn't consider that neural network or artificial intelligence is a suck and is not good and it's not applicable. I said, okay, this tool doesn't work. I fail in this experiment, but I used what I learned for mm -hmm. the next application and next application in my career. And it's always we are benefiting from that. There are a lot of questions in society that why we are doing that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at any application that you use nowadays from the, from the application of the Zoom that we are talking to the GPS, nobody developed GPS for the consumer product. GPS was, was, was designed for the military and for the space and the other space. But now we developed that engineers developed the GPS and go continue. And now we are using as a consumer product mm -hmm. or there are some, some health benefit in other product that eventually the, the, from the beginning wasn't designed for that. And so most of our, our technology-based consumer product is not actually started from that, but learning from that and bringing and scale it down for the consumer product. So this is, again, another application of this. So you, you start something and you branch it and, and you learn and see that what is applicable. Thank you so much, Farza. This has been great. Uh, I, I will say that this has definitely not been a failure. This has <laughs> been this has been a, a very successful conversation. So I appreciate you uh, you giving your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and I hope that uh, you enjoy your time and uh, enjoy your journey. And that is the podcast. Special thanks to Ginger Grant and Rochelle Morris in the Office of Research and Innovation, to Sarah Nyman and Chris Middleton at Humber Press, and to Humber's own Andy Scott, who provided the music for this series. This episode was edited, edited, edited. by me.